0: There's times in culture where like, say Stussy was the first great streetwear brand, yeah. then it was Bape. Right. Then it goes on to be Supreme. Yeah. If it wasn't for Nigo, we'd all probably have different jobs.
1: If it wasn't for Sean Stussy, we'd have
0: different jobs. Sure.
1: If you're even a little bit interested in streetwear and sneaker culture, then I'm about to introduce you to, arguably one of the most important figures who helped to create that world. Since the 1980s, Paul Middleman has been the mysterious driving force behind everything from Stussy to Adidas Originals, working with the likes of Pharrell, Tyler the Creator, and Kanye West. My name's Eli Morgan Gessner, and I'm the co-founder of Fat Farm, Zoo York, and a whole bunch of other shit. I'm also the style editor here at Uproxx, so I came up with this show as an excuse to sit down with my friends and the defining figures behind today's creative culture. This is The Masters. Hey, Paul. Good to see you. Good to you too, man. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. Of course. All right, Paul's done everything <laughs> that you could probably do in uh, streetwear, and uh, probably is one of the uh, literal key few people who birthed this entire world. Where are you from originally? Where were you born? New York City. You were born in New Mm -hmm. York City. I know you through skateboarding. I vividly remember probably the first time I saw you in Central Park. But how did you get in, as a kid in New York City, into skateboarding and surfing and all that?
0: I think the skateboarding thing, I just, like every other kid, you see someone else doing it a bit older, and you're like, that's neat. Sure. Then it picked up at a certain point where like it became still a subculture, right. but there was little shops or right. the bike shop sold it or Paragon sold them and right. you, you knew where to find them. Or you'd get a thrasher and buy them or skateboarding, you buy them from Val Surf or sure. some, you know, where you want something, you get it. And I think yeah. skateboarders are fairly driven
1: to find the board what's up with that pandemonium that's your okay so fa- that was
0: my father's store on 75th so and so explain
1: to us what pandemonium is
0: what happened was my father and his friends from coney island all started stores so uh. he owned that store another friend of his owned flip another really one, it was all they all grew up together y- unique unique flip canal jeans trashman Vaudeville. shut up they all, really? they're all a bunch of guys from coney island
1: and they're all friends well they
0: on you know there's, right. there's highs and lows in their relationship right. but i think they figured out that there was a way to do business of i think they used to call it dead man's clothes it was like army jackets and jeans they'd clean them and resell them but right. it was again it was part of the counterculture, part of the hippie wow. thing then then some stores went more punk rock right some went a bit more psychedelic right then obviously more stores but th- that's where people start. yeah, it was strongly up yeah. Side.
1: when i grew up like uh, on the upper west side you know pandemonium was one of the cool guy stores yeah. It had all the new wave, you know, neon colored mm-hmm. shirts and, and, and cool guy jackets and stuff like that. And then when I found out that your, your family owned it, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, Paul knows what's up
0: every kid shop there and even adults because you can get affordable stuff and it was just part of right. everyone's experience.
1: Yeah. Um, did you ultimately, uh, there's a funny story I'm gonna get into, but did you end up like buying clothes for the store? Did your dad? I
0: helped I think because I didn't really know exactly what I was doing so it was like I was interested. I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. So just being around it, you kind of gravitate you in some way i guess you just learn part of the business like it's a family business sure. So you, you learn oh this is how you buy stuff and right you, then at some point you're like oh this is how you make stuff and i think that's where it gets an important thing that i guess starts a lot of our careers in new york there was all downtown there was always the punk rock kind of edge to it right or a bit of new wave then there was hip-hop in new york which we were lucky enough to be there for the beginning and new york you didn't have to be one or the other right and there was like this reggae soundtrack around it or at night and there was funk and disco, and everything worked. You go to Washington Square Park, and this is before we probably met, and you're like, oh, people are skateboarding in New York. Yeah. And then you noticed again it was happening. Yeah. And I think that was an interesting time. I guess it's mid-'80s, yeah. mid to late-'80s, where you a crew started gathering, which right. w- we all knew it. That's mm-hmm. where we kind of met everyone. You'd get some Jordans or Dunks to skate in. You'd buy Vans, you'd wear right. Dickies or Army pants. Right. You'd find a t-shirt, you'd find a flannel, a sweatshirt, a champion shirt. But it became a look. Because funny enough, I saw a picture there of the Beastie Boys from Rat 85. And you're like, people kind of still dress like that. New York was like it was like a hip hop skater. It was a very strange yeah. mix. And then there was also really interesting people around then. like there's people doing amazing graffiti and good artists and True. as yeah. you know, you went on to do a lot of that stuff, but well, you know, but it's like you just kept on meeting kind of rad people Yeah, and was, they were older and you looked up to them as like, wow, this guy's really cool. Like yeah. I'm, I'm 16, they're 19, I think they're awesome. And then we had 13 year olds like Hav and those guys that looked up to us. Yeah. Like, I'll digress, but it was a pretty special time.
1: Well, that's, that's one thing I wanted to talk about, because like, um, I, I was skating a lot with Ali Asha. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ali Asha, Jabril Aworka Moore is our brother. We all grew up skating in New York together and writing graffiti. He, I, and Paul start Fat Farm together, and then Ali goes on to make alphanumeric and drawers and a million other things. And um, at this point in my life, I was for sure a kid. Like, I'm not getting let into a club. I'm just a skate rat. I'm running around doing tags, and that's about it. And Ali Asha was like, oh, we're gonna go meet Paul. And I really didn't really know you that well, but I knew, you know, we hung out. But this was gonna be like me, you, and Ali Asha. And we go on this like little skate mission around uh, Central Park. (laughs) And we're skating around and getting a little hungry and thirsty, and you're like, oh, I have to go do something uh for my dad you guys want to come with us with me and we were like yeah and you took us to midtown Mm -hmm. and we go into this we're like sweaty dirty skate teenagers and we go into this fancy building in midtown and you're just like paul middleman uh pandemonium and they're like yes sir right on up and we get in this elevator and we go up and i think it was french connection and they actually had a runway show set up for you and they had a chef and he like cooked us burgers and gave us Coca-Colas. And we were like these dirty skaters. And Paul sat there with like, I don't know what it was. I guess it's a buying sheet. I guess a buying sheet. At the time. Sell,
0: you, two of those or six of those. <laughs> yeah. and, and me and Ollie are
1: like eating hamburgers and this runway show happens and these models, gorgeous like grown models women are coming out in clothes and Paul's like, yeah, yeah. How old were you? You must have been like 17.
0: 17, 18? <laughs> You were probably a few years younger.
1: I was like 13 or 14 years old. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, we had, it was good times. From there, I realized like, man, this guy really understands how the clothing world works and would look up to you. And then the whole Stussy thing started. Yes. So let's talk about like how, like, I, I kind of was a, maybe a little bit aware of Stussy, but then you suddenly would just showed up and you were like Stussy Santa Claus in New York City. I
0: guess what it was is I knew of it from surfing. I, Sean's handwriting or signature was something you're like, oh, that guy shaped sick, sick boards. Yeah. It was in that 80s thing of like there was him and some other, let would say new wave shapers, for lack of a better word. Yeah, they had a different style. Shapers, it, was a, yeah. it was a different zone, different shapes. And we met at a trade show. He didn't really know that many people in New York. I was like, you want to go out? And he's like, yeah, that'd be cool. We exchanged numbers. He was staying at a hotel. Right. I think we went to Area or something. And he was like, wow, this is, you know, he just didn't know that. He was from sure. Orange County. Orange like, County. Orange County, you know. They were in Irvine or Laguna Beach at the time, I forget. But mm. he knew Japan pretty well because he was going there to shape. But this New York thing happened, and that really started this Stussy tribe. I mean, right. it, it was very naive, and then we kept on meeting people. And that was the, this is who we hung out with, it was sure. my friends. Yeah. And, and that's the
1: famous Stussy ad. With yeah, like that was, it was that
0: time. I was yeah. Taking on was it Spring and Whisper. And how
1: did that happen? Let's talk about that because that ad, it's you, Paul Middleman, DJ Jules, Jules Gayton from London jeremy henderson from california who was in new york because he was pro skating for shut skates then there's dante ross local new york city legend who goes on to work with de la soul everlast buster rhymes and everything else grammys but that look in the ad that new york city street look I mean, it defines how we dress, even today. I Boom! Think and that one ad. ad
0: was really important for many reasons. I mean, Sean always did the black and white ads with his writing, but smaller writing. We just threw on some Stu stuff. We were wearing sneakers, and half the clothing was ours. Right. It was Stew crew, and I guess that was over the Zoo York, which I think actually Dante said, "Hey, you know the Zoo York crew." Oh,
1: I way know.
0: other st- long story, but with <laughs> yeah. that. so it just a lot of things, but everyone had. had that in common, the funniest thing in hindsight is a really important thing, like, n- there was no model releases, there was no pay, like, here's some beers, and yeah. that's always been a weird issue, because that picture kind of changed a lot of things, Right. and I think this stuck out, because there was no action to it, it wasn't right. a traditional skate ad, yeah. and I think Powell played with things that were more style, and some Alva ads, but they still weren't clothing, it was very much about the pro, Yeah. Exactly. this was like, there's these kind of rap people that look kind of like that, but they kind of look like skaters, but it's very natural, like it wasn't forced and it. It was really, and I have to give a lot of credit to myself just looking around, Dante and Jules always had great style, and Dante was a bit more hip hop, maybe in a bit of a preppy way, but kind of hard. Like he had a a thing about him, and it kind of would go a bit, not punk rock, but a bit more, Menacing like he had a certain presence to him yeah. and then Jules was fancy like Jules would come out He'd scale down, and pop out in a suit, but it was always a <laughs> bit like and I think when you put everyone together You're like that became I mean I, that moment to me almost starts streetwear. Yeah, I, I don't I like the term I completely
1: agree. I completely and agree I, And I mean it
0: wasn't about a West Coast or East Coast or London or Tokyo It was about, it was about people that love music. They love skateboarding. Yeah. They like culture. They like art They like design yeah. and it became this thing of like it was a, a thing that you can do. Of course, we didn't go on to do it professionally for years. Sure. But to me, it was that one picture crystallizes a moment in time that you have to say, holy shit, we started something.
1: That's completely true. In fact, I think I remember uh, getting Thrasher, that ad came out, and I was like, oh my god, there's Dante and there's Paul and there's Jules and there's Jeremy. And I was like, stuccy, man, that's awesome. And it was it came out right when Fishbone was playing and uh, I would never have had money to go in to see Fishbone, and I remember skating just to hang out front, and then you showed up, and we were all kind of in a big mob, and you had, like, Stussy shirts, and you, like, threw me two Stussy shirts, and I was like, I could just have these? It seems so, like, I, the idea of sponsorship or you getting hooked up didn't even, wasn't even a thing, in No, I mean, Sean
0: exist. was very smart. He'd send boxes to people. Yeah. He'd literally go to the warehouse, pick stuff that he liked or right. thought he liked, pick right. the sizes, write a note, do the handwriting you got this thing and he was doing it all over the world then he was giving me boxes up to give to my friends it was all this stuff happened that he was like there was no names and that was so great it was there was no job titles there was no names it wasn't much money right i mean i think in hindsight people like damn i wish i got paid for that but (laughs) you know things happen life works out good we're all we're all we're we're all here so exactly
1: you know and it, it it's it's always that way you know it's like you, so, people do something out of passion and love and they do it because they just love to do it And then people are attracted to that energy and then suddenly, uh, you know, it, it's commodified in our society So, so I it's guess. like people are not getting paid, but that wasn't the point. The point was like, you know There, there was no street wear in existence So the yeah. idea of getting paid for it wasn't even a thing. Alright, so uh, speaking of Stussy uh, and nightclubs uh, I guess it would be like around 1989, 1990 mm-hmm. Me and Beasley were doing uh, the trip parties at Mars, mm-hmm. and um, through you, mm-hmm. you were like, "Oh, let's do like a Stussy party." Mm-hmm. And Sean went and made passes. And yeah, we got the artwork. And Still I was, have it somewhere. Yeah, blown away. Yeah, and I was so stoked. Oh my God, Sean yeah. Stussy made passes for my nightclub mm-hmm. party. Then, the day of the party, I show up early to set up, and all the you know the workers who were there early, they're like you have so many boxes, you have so many boxes. I was like, I, I, why? Then I go upstairs and you guys made Stussy Tribe t-shirts mm-hmm. just to give away and I didn't even ask for it.
0: No, I think it, that party was a blast. It's funny now because th- th- you're saying that street team thing, like we did that just because it seemed like common sense. Like <laughs> yeah. we didn't go to school for marketing. We weren't the <laughs> brand guys. It was like, oh, Eli has this cool club. It's the next generation from the clubs that we all started going to, the Palladiums, the Dance Terriers. Right. We're like, that's when also hip hop was changing. So sure. the older right. clubs in New York that we started going to weren't hip hop clubs. They were everything clubs. Yeah. Your know, DJs played whatever. Right. Now you're getting to a point where there's enough music for Clark Kent to come in from Brooklyn and be like, I got the set. No one else was doing that. There'd be just like a party as a theme night.
1: Well, you're being you're you're, you're playing it down because the party was really awesome, but the repercussions from the free Stussy mm-hmm. t-shirts, I mean, this was sort of like when Stussy was the shit, and also like, how do you get it? Where do you get it at? Uh, who else? And then we're just throwing these things into the crowd. Russell, behind the scenes, was like, oh, I want to go start like a hip-hop clothing line yep. because of Stussy. They saw the kids lining up to get the Stussy, and they wanted to... Be be a get get a part of that, and at that moment, it's kind of that rustic Timberland wear mm-hmm. starts taking over, and then you know <laughs> we all, the three of us, Ali, Asha, Paul, and myself, end up getting sucked in by the man named Russell Simmons.
0: <laughs> it was interesting though, but let's yeah. not forget before we came aboard, right. and Dom was first, and Ali, you and myself were, right. for for all for different skill sets, he wanted to call it fat. Oh yeah. And make gel suits like cross colors. That's true. So it took a little clever conversation. And I think Ollie spirit was like, no, polo's the shit. Tilfinger, Nautica. Yeah. And then Russell's like, all right, you all are right, which I have to say he let it go, which was cool. Yeah. And he built on it. But yeah. that's it w- it went from fat P H A T jumpsuits, yeah. backwards jeans possibly, to fat farm. Polo it's with true. a hip hop graffiti vibe because you were doing the art, Ollie oh, yeah, was yeah, yeah. sketching. I Ollie remember and,
1: that at Russell's is, apartment. You were right, that Russell was like, you know, the miggity miggity mac daddy. Yeah. And like, that's what he wanted to do, it was like jail suits, naughty by nature. OPP was kind of popping off, and that's all he wanted was just like jail suits and like, <laughs> you know, big, big boots. And it was Ali Asha who was finally like, stopped him when he got into like a big he got into a tizzy I just want jail suits in primary colors and and I was like stop stop look at me Grand Poobah and then Russell was like oh that whole thing, but you know,
0: that was a fun era because we got to do it. Yeah. We, we made clothing, yeah. Uh, we came and gone. I think we each worked, we're either hired or fired a few dozen times <laughs> yes. at different times. Yeah. But all I think Russell, in the end, he's Russell, you gotta love him. And we're sitting in this office trying to make stuff, trying to keep our composure because it was kind of nuts. You kind know, like, of hey, nuts. you want to borrow the Rolls Royce? Not me, us, but <laughs> you, someone would do a photo shoot, and Russell's like, Take mine. And you're like, Oh okay. Not me drive it or him drive it, but have the driver and you're like, you're in a Rolls Royce with, and you're flying all over and you're like, wait, there's this thing there's business class? <laughs> ne- never, wasn't aware of that. Like we don't we get our own hotel rooms, like it was kind of insane. <laughs> and then for various reasons we all we some stayed on, some broke off. But that was pretty rad because yeah. then you go off to do a bunch of stuff, which I don't know if you were told the audience. Yep. Ollie then comes out here to do dub drawers, alphanumeric, yeah. fiber yeah. ops and the thirty thousand other things he did. Yeah. Then I'll get into the next phase of my life. Yes, please do. Uh, There was a Fat Farm store on Print Street, and there was a Stussy store on Print Street, and I was quite good friends with James Jebbia, who owns the Supreme store with Sean. They were partners. And we'd go by and say hi, so I was always friendly with them. And he's like, wow, I'm seeing a lot of Fat Farm bags. And Stussy was waning a bit then, so it was so big, it got to the thing like, that's what my older brother wore. So Stussy (laughs) kind of trickles off, and Sean Stussy decides to retire to raise his family. It actually worked well. And then it went from like, Here, here's a few hundred bucks, here's a few thousand. Hey, you want to do this full time? I'm like, wow, really? Yeah. Sean retired. And, really? Is that how that happened? Yeah. And then I was like, I lived in New York and I, I couldn't leave New York. But they're yeah. like, just come out to LA once there in Irvine. I was like, rad, right, I'll come out and keep on doing it. It went great. We, we did amazing work. We had a, a sick team. Mm. It was like to watch something that you loved for years, be able to say, hey, you, you want to do this with other people? It starts going. And you're like, wow, Stussy's kind of killing it again. Yeah. So I yeah. stayed at believe 14 years.
1: 14.
0: At a certain point, I think we dis- we decided as a group, like it's been a great run, but it's time to move on. When you're s- somewhere too long, you actually get too comfortable. For sure. And also there's certain attitudes and cultural things that you might not be helping the company move to a different direction. Or yourself. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. so I think around, that was probably 2010, uh, uh, I was like, damn, I don't really know what to do next. Out of anywhere, someone's like, hey, what do you think of Adidas? And I was like, I never thought about it. Mm. I have no real connection to the brand, except that I might have worn a few pairs in the 80s. I wasn't like a scholar on it, but that's a quite good thing, I realized. Because sure. when you go to these larger companies, everyone's so obsessed with it that you lose focus on what's next. Uh. Especially a legacy brand like an Adidas. Adidas wasn't doing amazing then. Mm. and. It's fun when that happens because you get to do kind of whatever you want with Amazon. Sure. Adidas is working with Nego at that point. Mm-hmm. He's coming over a few times a year to work on product and he has a manager called Toby, who's a good friend. Mm-hmm. We're up in Berlin doing some stuff and uh, they're like, hey, Pharrell's in town. I'm like, oh, cool. As you know, Pharrell's business person, I never know exactly, is Loic. Right. So we're all sitting together and it's like...
1: Loic and, and Paul and I grew up skateboarding together when we were little kids.
0: Yeah. Loic worked at So Skates. Yes, he so, did. This is before happiness is coming, and Pharrell's kind of in a, a, a his, his career's kind of going again. So we're actually talking, and we're hanging out, go to dinner, and then we're in a ma- van in Germany at a McDonald's drive through It's Nigo, Pharrell, Loic, Toby, myself, I, I think maybe a few other people. I'll name drop on this one, because it's actually so next level. It's kind of set up, I realize, in a bit, like in, someone's like, hey, why don't you all work together? I'm like, whoa, that's above my pay grade. I can't really sure. sign you right now. I don't have the authority, but maybe we'll start talking. And we started talking and we went to an Adidas party. It was actually Mark Gonzalez, I think, it was some skate something in Berlin. Or, yeah. They met and it was like cool. and Everyone's like, uh, what, Pharrell's at this party? Like, wow. And so people are looking at me like, oh, you're a bigger weird dude than we <laughs> even thought. And then they don't realize the background of like, yeah, me, Loik, Eli, we all grew up together. Pharrell was around, <laughs> in, you know, doing- Pharrell did New stuff. York ads years yeah, before. So, <laughs> so everyone's connected. So at the same time it's tracking in this van in a McDonald's drive through in Ber- Berlin, which is of course what you're gonna eat in Berlin. Uh, it's like, yo, why don't, you, why don't we do this? I talked to Dirk, who was my boss. He talks to Herman. Herman's like, go. We're like, what about Kanye? He's like, do it all. Because no one knew if Kanye was gonna sign. And I'm not speaking like the spokesperson. I only was there for the Kanye thing. I didn't formally do it. I was there in the beginning. I tried to help. A bigger team got around it. You're God so bless him and them. No, yeah, yeah. it's just the truth. <laughs> And I was always close. I'm still good friends with Pharrell and Loic and Nego. That's like family. So sure. it happened. Then all of a sudden Adidas has Nigo, Pharrell, Kanye. And I'm only saying it because if you think about it, that's like an all-star team. Oh, yeah. That's not like, oh, you got a few good people. You're like, you have people like, like. there's times in culture where like, say Stussy was the first great streetwear brand. Yeah. Then it was Bape. Right. Then it goes on to be Supreme. Yeah. If it wasn't for Nigo, we'd all probably have different jobs. If it wasn't for <laughs> Sean Stussy, we'd have different jobs. Sure. But... Nigo, he went for it. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's my new Rolls Royce, the diamond thing that Jacob did for me, and that's my thing, and that's my (laughs) Warhols and my Goyard shit. And it was like, even rappers were like, well, you floss so hard that we're going to learn from you because we can't even hang in your world. Oh, yeah. He changed the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And Pharrell was right there for it. So to get these three people together, and, you know, I was there at that time and place, it was like, we're on something. Right. And then each person took their own personality. Nigo went out of it at some point, and then... You have these two really talented people that also look up to each other and are friendly but competitive. Right. Changing the sneaker game again. Yeah. And then it, it goes and goes and goes, and it got more interesting, and Adidas is growing there. Originals is finally making new shoes. Well, can I inject yeah,
1: something right here? I, I think what's also interesting about this is up until this point, or I guess it was sort of changing, athletic footwear is for athletes. Yes. You know? Maybe we can argue that Adidas did this before with Run, Run DMC. DMC but non-athletic non-athletic because that was really the that was really the switcheroo like okay you're going to get danny Supa to make a, a dunk that's cool but he's a skater yeah. and that's kind of a sport this is unathletic this is un-athletic. just completely from a, a a creative musical artistic direction but that's pretty brilliant it's Paul. pretty
0: brilliant and that was again that was bigger than me that was a mother thing but connie mm-hmm. wanted to make performance basketball shoes the company was petrified because <laughs> and he finally got shoes that players played in. He, they weren't designed for it, but... Right. He, he, the <laughs> thing was that I loved watching him work and g- given, it's complex. He knew how to shake the place up to say, no, let creators be creatives, like disrupt. But when it actually happened and all his friends, you're like, it was back to that so you like let's send a box of teas. Because yeah. he, he seated, he was like, no, you're not, you're not promoing any of my shit. <laughs> I'm promoing my <laughs> shit. And you started seeing on, it was the Instagram era and he's married to- Kim Kardashian. Cartier- yeah, people that mm. have a lot of Instagram followers it changed the thing again. And yeah. he wanted to make basketball shoes. Pharrell was really interested in comfort and equality and t- running technology. And was not a runner, he wanted comfort. Mm. And uh, things that were unisex and all these things. But like, things that companies said no to for decades, yeah. they actually got them to change their mind.
1: Yeah. I think that a lot of the success that you've had, even when we've just discussed how your entire trajectory for your life, it seems like the important stuff is based on relationships of people Mm -hmm. that you've met and that is because you're out living your life and being amongst people and being in uh areas where all this great stuff is happening
0: sometimes people would be like well you have to be in the office with your team yes and i'm like no i have to be in paris yes there's people that do things and they're like no but you're going to go to the show and sit and they're like that's what i'm I'm not going to sound because it goes back and it hit me before that whole french connection story like that's just like I'll go to a show in Paris and I'll wear this. I don't have other outfits. Sure. Like I don't show up for the I don't show up for Virgil's show and put on the Virgil outfit. I don't have one. Right. I love him. I think what he does is amazing. But I I just don't. I have a flannel shirt. I have Dickies, I have Jordans or Cons or something. And I'm right. like, hey, what's up? Let's go. And you sit. And but if you're there, and what hit me the last few years is you're seeing people younger than you, do something that was unbelievable. Was through that trajectory. Right. You get people that you might know, but funny enough, have watched what we did. Like. Uh, friendly with Kim Jones. He used to sure. work for a company that distributed Stussy and he'll say like you know when he was he's a bit younger but he watched what we all did like mm-hmm. he knows about New York even though he's English he's right. and he went from just a kid that worked in a, an office packaging stuff to going to a great design school to do really good design to being did Louis Vuitton now does Dior yeah. you're like wow that's it's part of our what we started that people they're adding their own narrative to it. <laughs> to see this shit happen it's like, you're like, wow, it's going. And then he has his own group of friends. And I'm not saying, and I'm observing this as just as a, as a, a humbled spectator because sure. they've taken it to a whole other level. Yeah. The same time Virgil's doing this thing and we go and I'm sitting at the show with my friend Fraser, who's also quite important. Sure. To this, and we're like, yeah. what's this thing They're like? Oh, it's a Michael Jackson thing. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then you see this door open and it's you're like, is that Futura? Right. you're like, yeah. And you're like, well, no, wait, stop a second. Yeah. This goes back to the 80s with like Futura like, Danceteria sure. ma- making things, and you're like yeah. to see these things keep on going. You watch these younger people; they they're they're looking at what we've done or what other people have done. Right. Sorry, it's not we; it's, it's it's everyone. Sure. And they're recontextualizing it and growing it. So I have to say, whatever they're doing, it's almost I'd be curious for their answer more than mine because I'm a bit on the far side of them. I'm 10 years older, maybe 15 years older. True. And I don't want to be the old guy. Like everyone's like, you're the dude in the Muppets. I'm like, yeah, I am kind of that guy. But
1: <laughs> wait, I, the the dude, the, the two dude guys. Is.
0: Yeah, amazing. They're like my if I had role models it would be them.
1: (laughs) The problem is is kids can't follow in our footsteps because they want to go and become what you and I have created when that didn't exist when we were kids you know so what would you what advice do you give to a kid now because now there's an established streetwear empire or industry.
0: It's hard because like you said everyone has a different history and I think the one thing is when you look at a picture of let's say Woodstock you can only assume what it was we weren't there right but when you Look at a picture of, say, an early Stussy ad. We kind of were there, or an early Beastie Boys show, or a punk rock show. And if you don't experience something, it's hard to realize it by, you can read about it, you can watch videos, there's always things to learn. But you have to experience things. And I think the one thing for young people is just experience stuff, be in your environment, and if you don't like your environment, move.